And also today we're ending our series we've called Blessed. And the verse that Justin read a few minutes ago from Ephesians 1, um, verse 3, is, has been the key verse for the whole series when Paul said we've been blessed um, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what I wanted to do this morning is just show you how we've been blessed, and we've really covered that in the whole series and give you the blessing we're going to look at today. We've been blessed with a spiritual family. You know, so many times uh, in our culture, we think about blessings as material goods or opportunities or whatever, but in, in Ephesians, in this prayer, it's defined this way, we've been blessed with a spiritual family. So when Paul said, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, what is he talking about? With a spiritual family. You've been blessed with the Holy Spirit who works in your life in incredible ways to help you know Jesus better. That's what Ephesians says. You've been blessed with hope. We're not like people who have no hope. We have hope. You've been blessed with extraordinary value. God values you more than anything else in the whole universe. And today we're going to talk about how we've been blessed with great power. Now, here's one of the keys to the book of Ephesians. Uh, no one in the book of Ephesians would have understood any of the truth of the book through the lens of an individual. In the Western world, we're very individualistic. But in Ephesians and in the body of Christ, we're seen as a community. And so what I want you to do this morning, instead of saying, I am blessed, I want you just to repeat this with me for a minute, and we're just together going to say, as the people of God, we are blessed. Would you say that with me? We are blessed. Say it one more time. We are blessed. That's right. And these are the blessings that we have. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, 18 and 19 and see the blessing that God has blessed us with. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. So this whole prayer, so Paul explained the blessing and then he prayed over them that they would understand the blessing. So this whole prayer we've been praying for this month is all about not, God, give me some new blessing I've never had. It's about, God, help me understand the blessing you've already given me so that I may walk in it and experience it. So that's what he's saying. Enlighten, enlighten, uh, your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope we talked about that a minute ago, to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Talked about that last week, extraordinary great value. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. What does it mean that we've been blessed with great power? Is that like Jedi skills? Are those mind, mind control? What, does it mean we can levitate? You know, does it mean we can fly? Man, power is a loaded word. What does it mean? What does it mean that we've been given great power? Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to give you um, four truths that we know about God's power. There's a lot more, but I want to narrow it down to four. Number one, God's power is life-giving. So, so let's look. Uh, if you read just past the verse we just read, you will see um, the next few verses really describe the kind of power that he's praying for. Verse 19, that power that I've been praying that God would enlighten your eyes that God has given to you is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So this prayer is a prayer for the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. We're not talking about little stuff here. So when Jesus was crucified to death, and he was lying in the tomb dead, God the Father filled his body with power and some kind of power that was so powerful, it brought Jesus back to life. Okay, that's the kind of power we're talking about. So that's, the, that's also the power we're praying that we would understand. So here's the most fundamental and basic thing we know about God's power. It's life-giving. It's not scary and it's not weird. It's life-giving because it gave life to Jesus' dead body. And if it gave life to his dead body and that's the same power that God wants us to walk in, that power is going to give us life. Number two, God's power is greater than the power of this world. God's power is greater than the power of this world. Now look, this is a hard part of the prayer to understand because there's a lot you have to understand about Ephesus and Ephesians and the time period and, you know, Paul the apostle who wrote this letter and prayed this prayer, he knew who he was writing to. And it was very, in a way, very specific for them. But it's hard for us to understand because we have a different worldview than the people of Ephesus. In Ephesus, there were cults and sorcery and witchcraft, and they were an animistic, um, they had an animistic worldview. Now, that might be a new, a new term, but what that simply means is, is they saw a direct daily connection between the spiritual world and the physical world. So what that means is, is they believed that there were ghosts and evil forces and spirits and you know dead relatives who were involved in everyday life. And so what you did in the physical realm affected them in the spiritual realm, and what they did in the spiritual realm affects, you know, affected them in the physical realm. So that's an animistic worldview. By the way, billions of people in the world today have an animistic worldview including most Muslims. So it's, it's not something that's just, you know, 2,000 years old. It's still here. So I remember um, last year I had a missionary friend that was telling me a story about being in one of the parts of the world where they had an animistic worldview. And he said, we were on this island doing ministry to these people, and it came time to leave. But we were trying to decide, are we going to stay the night or are we going to leave? Because there was a storm in the ocean and we were afraid to get in the boat. He said, but the pastors, listen to this, the pastors that are there, they were afraid to stay on the island because they thought it was haunted. So they would rather get in the boat and brave the storm than stay there because they thought spirits inhabited. The... So look, that's an, that's an animistic worldview. So to these young Christians in Ephesus, when they heard Paul talk about power, they, they could only associate it with spirits and evil forces and all of this. And one of the questions that they had would have had naturally for Paul was, is Jesus' power stronger than this power? They didn't have a lack of belief in power. They believed in all powers. And what they were trying to understand is, is Jesus' power greater than this power? Because they were you know, young Christians trying to figure this whole new faith thing out, and they didn't understand how, how, how that went. But listen, so here's Paul's answer. You ready? Verse 19, 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here's the explanation. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Look at 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked. So if people have been doing potions and witchcraft and invoking people's names. He's saying every name that's invoked, listen, he didn't even stop there, not only in the present, but in the age to come. If you invoke names in the future, eternity, doesn't matter. So look, some people take that and try to scale out, you know, like uh, categories of demons or something. That's not what that means. That's not specific to any category. What he's writing here is, look, I don't even know how many powers there are. But it doesn't matter because Jesus is above them all. That's what he's trying to say. All power, all dominion in this world, in the world to come. How, how many ways can I explain it? <laughs> That's what he's trying to say. Now, the, the answer is God's power is greater. Now, you may be thinking, okay, I don't really relate to that. <laughs> because we're in the Western world, and in the Western world, we have a naturalistic worldview. And so here's what happens in our worldview, in our cultural worldview. We, we tend to believe in things we can see and things we can touch and things that we can prove. Uh, we believe if there is a spiritual world, I'm not talking about any individual Christian, but just kind of the Western worldview, even if there is a spiritual world, maybe there is, it doesn't have very much to do with the natural world. We believe uh, science and math tell us what's real. Not, not anything else. Okay. So what they struggle with in the animistic worldview is Christ's power stronger. But let me tell you what they don't struggle with. Deconstructionism and agnosticism. Because they believe like the whole, of course there's a spirit world. What are you saying? They struggle with how can there only be one God? We struggle with how can there be one God? You see the difference? It's a different worldview. In our culture, people are asking questions like, how do you know there's a God? How do you know the Bible's true? Can you prove it? Is this all there is? Isn't it interesting that there are two completely different worldviews on the same planet? It's not like half of us are on Mars. Our, our challenge is, is God's power real? The animistic worldview doesn't doubt God's power is real. They go, of course God's power is real. We just don't know which one's stronger. Ours is, are we sure God's power is real? Now, the question you may be saying, well, which worldview is right? Well, maybe that they both have some things right and they both have some things wrong. We wouldn't be arrogant enough to believe that our cultural worldview is somehow superior to billions of other people in the, world, in the planet. Walter Wink defines the spiritual forces in Ephesians like this. They're both heavenly and earthly, divine and human, spiritual and political, invisible and visible. So in, in his understanding of the spiritual forces here in Ephesians, we're talking about that they, they embed themselves where they can in educational and economical and political systems that dehumanize and destroy people. That they are the dark forces behind uncontrollable ambition and greed and lust and racism and misuse of power. That there's like, like kind of a hybrid. And man, we see things happen like that all the time. I mean, in my hometown just this last week, 
Five police officers killed a, killed a man. I, I, I wouldn't even attempt to comment on it. I don't know enough about it. But it looks like an abuse of power. Where does that kind of culture come from? Where does that kind of evil come from? Well, maybe what's true is evil forces use whatever systems are most effective in each culture, in each worldview. All right, we're taking a long way to get back here, okay? But stay with me. Maybe in our worldview, what we deal with is not, is God's power greater, but is God's power real? And we kind of say it like this. We kind of begin to wonder, don't each of us actually have a right to our own customizable truth? We say it all the time. Might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Right? Live your truth. That's what our culture says. Live your truth as if truth is some, you know, ever-expanding um, set of oftentimes conflicting facts, of opposite facts, as if that's what truth is. So, unfortunately, that mentality has embedded itself deeply in the culture and has made great headway in the church. You know, I just read this morning a, a Barner report on the state of theology in America that said that 43% of evangelicals believe that Jesus was a great teacher but not God. You see, you see how, 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 the, how the worldview just erodes at us? So I want to challenge that. For us, maybe we laugh and say, well, of course we don't think that there's dead relatives and ghosts and spirits. How funny is that? Well, it's funny until the enemy fixes another way to deal with us. So let's deal with our way. Let me push back a little bit on this idea of we all get to make our own truth. Let me ask you this question. Does your truth have power? Does your truth have the ability to change lives? We're not praying for our own truth or our own power. That'll never stop the war raging inside of any of our lives. My truth can't break addiction, and my truth can't heal a soul, and my truth can't set anyone free, and my truth can't make a hateful person a loving person, and my truth can't bring peace to a person living in chaos. Can your truth change someone's life? If your truth can't change someone's life, maybe it's not the truth. Romans chapter 1 Verse 16, listen to this verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the... There it is. There it is. There it is. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God... God's power is greater than every other power because only it has the ability to change a person's life. You can make everybody act right and talk right and look right and be as politically correct as you want, but you'll never change the soul. You'll never change the motivation. God's power is greater because it has the ability to change your life. Okay. Now let's read this part of the prayer one more time, but let's place it over our worldview. Are you ready? 
Ephesians 1.21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. God's power is above all other powers. Number three, God's power is greater than sin. God's power is greater than sin. You know, the truth is, some of, some of us have been carrying sins all our life and dragging them around because we were taught that it was normal. Because we were taught that's the way life is. And the enemy has been lying to us and telling us, you're different. People don't understand, and God freed other people, but he, he's not going to free you, and he can't free you. And the enemy lies to us. So, some of you have been, as long as you can remember, you've been dragging around some sexual sin, or you can't remember the last time you were happy, or you've lived in anger for so long, it's just part of your personality. You've always lived in fear. You've always battled addiction. You've just accepted it and got used to it, and you've accepted that maybe the um, dysfunctional conflict inside your marriage or relationship, because that's the way it's always been. You were raised that way. It's just the way the world works. I just wanna ask you a question. Is, is there anything in your life that you've accepted that God never asked you to accept? Is there anything in your life you've welcomed into your life that God never wanted you to welcome into your life? We've been through heavy times. Mental health has struggled, screen addiction, anxiety, fear. And maybe what you've whispered into your own heart is, you know what, I'm just going to take a couple of drinks just to relax. And a couple of drinks turned into every day, and now you can't get out. I'm going to just take a couple of pills just to get through this, and now it's every day, and you can't get out. You can't get out. It's a way of life now. It's a dependency. Maybe it's you know gluttony. I'm just going to look at this pornography one time. I, just, I feel so down. I need, I need something. And now you can't get out. I mean, it's just flirting. I'm not having an affair or anything. We're just friends. And, and, and now you're trapped. Now, now, now you're stuck in this reality and you can't get out. I'm just going to stay home and catch up on sleep for a little while. And, you know, then I'll get back to church later. And little things have turned into big things. And now you can't get out. And the enemy's lying to you. And he's telling you, you'll never be free. You'll never be free. That's what he's saying to you. But, he, but here's what I want to say to you today, okay? However it happened, whether you grew up that way or some event, painful event, or somebody mistreated you, however it got into your life, the enemy all tells us the same thing, we'll never be free. When I was a teenager living in bondage, the Holy Spirit spoke a truth to my heart that I want to speak to your heart today that led me into great freedom. And it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine There it is. There it is again. His divine power has given us how much? Everything, Everything we need for a godly life. So you can be free. 
Because in Jesus, as a believer, he's given you everything you need to live a godly life under every circumstance that life might give to you. So you absolutely can be free. There's a time for talk and there's a time for power. When something's dead, you don't need talk, you need resurrection. And for resurrection, you don't need talk, you need God's power, and he's given it to us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that that same power is at work in your life. It's at work in your life. Reach out. So I want to speak hope today. Look, you're not going to win every battle. You're not going to get every promotion. You're not going to get healed from every sickness. You're not going to have a perfect life. You're not always going to be treated fair. Every circumstance isn't going to go your way. But there's one thing I can tell you with 100% and complete certainty. You will always have everything you need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You'll always have it. Because his power is given it. Number four, God's power is greater than death. Hey, you know life's a tough deal. None of us are going to make it out alive, right? You know that. None of us get out of this alive. We're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. But here's the thing. What's after that? Well, it depends. Depends on what you believe. It really does. It it depends on have have you received the truth of the resurrected Jesus into your heart and life or not. That hasn't changed. He's not just a good teacher. He's he's a savior. He's the gate. He's the door. He's the bread. (laughs) He's the way. So I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 15. This is such a... I can't, in some ways I'm startled when I read this verse that when Paul the Apostle wrote it, he just laid the whole thing on the line. Like he gave us no middle. He gave us no option. He gave us no sort of maybe kind of. He laid the whole thing on the line. And I want to read it. And I just want to explain how I understand it. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, listen, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. In other words, let's just say for a minute, for the sake of argument, that you pray and you have Jesus in your heart and he gives you great forgiveness and heals your soul and restores your marriage and sets you free and your life improves and you have peace in your mind and and you become a loving person and you experience greater joy and freedom and peace than you've ever known in your entire life. Let me tell you what this verse says. It says, if that's it, then you're the saddest person who ever lived. Wow, wow, I feel like I can't 
I can't touch that. Are you kidding me? If my life is radically changed for decades and I become a better person that flourishes a legacy throughout generations behind me that are better than the life I was in, you're telling me I'm the saddest person that ever lived if I just die one day and that's it? Yes. Man, he laid it all on the line. He went all in. But listen to this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And he is the first of a great harvest of all who died. In other words, Jesus was the first one of us that came back from the dead and conquered death, and he won't be the last. Everybody that believes in him from every time period is not only going to know joy and peace and, and contentment and wholeness in this life, but in the life to come. Scripture has a different value than we do. We value this life too much. We value this time too much. We value what's going on in this moment too much. But Paul pulls the curtain back to the eternal stage and says, if that's all you got, you're the worst person on earth. God's power is greater than death. (laughs) Greater than death. Because one day we're all going to die. But after that, after that. So what do you say? Go ahead, stress. Go ahead, fear. Go ahead, circumstances. Go ahead, health problems. Go ahead, you know, recession. Go ahead, antagonist. Go ahead, whatever. Go ahead. Take your best shot. You might even kill me. But that's not it. <laughs> You might even be the thing that ultimately takes me out. But I'm, I might be down, but I'm not out. Because I'm going to follow Jesus in resurrection, and I'm going to know eternal life where stress and fear and worry and recession and terrorism and racism will never, ever, ever live again. Because God's power is greater than death. The wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life. (laughs) God's power is greater than death. You know what I'd love for you to do? Would you stand with me? As we end this series and these 21 days of prayer, I want to ask you to join me in prayer. And what I've done is I've taken Ephesians 1 and I've, I've changed a few of the words so we could pray it together as a prayer, okay? And would you, would you, we put it on the screen or we're gonna put it on the screen, there it is. And would you just pray this prayer out loud with me if, if you're not, if that's weird and you've never done that, you don't have to do that. But if, you're, if you can and want to, would you do that? And those of you online, join us. We've got it there for all of us, okay? So let's pray this prayer together. You ready? We keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that a good prayer? That's a good prayer. Hey, our worship team's coming to lead us in a song now. As they do, I want to encourage you, just whatever those things are that God is working in your heart, maybe you've lost hope, maybe you've lost faith, maybe you've been discouraged, maybe whatever's going on, would you just give that to him? This song says that God is the same God today as he was yesterday. He does the same things today that he did yesterday. So, Lord, we just lift this song up to you, and we ask you to...